I want to speak under this title today, Jesus doesn't do boring. He just doesn't do boring. It's not how he rolls. It's not, it's not his thing. Are you understanding the accent? Okay. Are we good? So I want to turn to a story that we find in John chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, a story that you probably know very well or have heard preached from or mentioned. And it's a story of Jesus' first miracle. And he's at a wedding. You know, Jesus was always in the place where people were. Weddings, parties. I mean, he was at so many parties that he was actually accused of being a drunkard. And uh, I want to encourage you, be where people are. Be where people are. Do life. That's where people talk about life. And um, here's Jesus at a wedding. And I believe it's more than just a story. I believe because it's his first miracle, he was making a statement, a prophetic statement about how things would be. You know, Jesus' first spoken message in Matthew 4, 17 was, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And I believe this message here, this story here, is all about what happens when the kingdom operates in our life. So let's see what it says. In John 2, 1 to 10. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? Let's just pause there. Let's get into that movie together, okay, right now. Here is Jesus with his mom. And as mums do sometimes, they embarrass their boys. You know, come on, Jesus, do something. Mom, leave me alone. Just leave me alone, man. Can you imagine that Jesus telling his mom to shut up? <laughs> Embarrassing me, leave me alone. Anyway, Mary does something that us pastors would never preach, and that's she ignores Jesus. So she just let that one just go right over and said, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. For you have kept the good wine until now. The first thing I want to say to us today is this. The kingdom of God brings adventure. You see, the kingdom of God isn't this mystical kingdom up in the cloud somewhere where Jesus lives, and someday we're going to go there. The kingdom of God, better translated, is simply the government of God, the will of God. So every time we live under the government of God and we say, your will be done, the kingdom comes. It's like in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so we're talking here about, quite simply, allowing 
King Jesus to have his way in our life. And what Mary, the mother, says is, whatever he says to you, do it. That's the kingdom. That's what was being introduced here. Whatever the king says to you, do it. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? The truth is, all of us are on a journey. In some areas of your life, you're saying, come on in. Do your thing. Have your way. And in some other areas of our life, well, we've got our walls up, haven't we? We want to maintain the control. We want to keep that bit for ourselves because we are not too sure what God's going to do with that bit. And we would prefer to keep it under our lock and key. Whatever he says to you, do it. The kingdom of God, we find in the scripture, is forcefully advancing, it says. See, God's rule, God's will, God's government is all about moving forwards. Did you know God wants you to move forwards? God wants you to get where he wants you to be. And God paints on the canvas of our hearts visions, dreams, pictures that come from him. And it's like a postcard that's written at the bottom and it says, I wish you were here. Anyone ever had one of those from a holiday and someone says, I wish you were here? Do you know God paints on, your, on the canvas of your heart and he's saying to you, son, daughter, I wish you were here. This is what I've got for you. There was a man called Abraham. God came to him and painted on his heart and said, I wish you were here. The promised land, the land of Canaan. We find that story in Genesis chapter 11 and 12. And at that point, we hear of God coming to Abraham and saying, Leave your country and your relatives and go to the land I will show you. I used to think that was the first time that that call had come. And then I read on into the book of Acts and I discovered that actually in Genesis 12 when that call comes, it's the second time that God came with that call. The first time was in a place called Mesopotamia. So here, over here, is Abraham in Mesopotamia, God had come to him and said, leave your country and go to the land I will show you, which is Canaan. So he actually got up and moved. And now in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is in a place called Haran. And it says that Abraham had settled there. Everybody say settled. Settled. Now, settled is a nice, comfortable place, isn't it? Yeah, we've got the kids in school, they've got their friends, we've got our sports clubs, we've got our neighbors, we've got our routine, we've got our life. We are settled. You know, when I go on holiday, this is kind of how it works, for us British people at least. We would maybe go fly down to Spain. And, um, you, you, you know, you're, you're thinking, I wonder if we'll meet some other nice people. And so in the first couple of days, everybody knows you're new because you're white, you know. No suntan. Totally, as we would say in Scotland, peely-wally. 
Say, I'm teaching you Scottish today. Say that. Peely Wally. So when you go out in the park this afternoon, you can go to people who are really quite non-suntan and just go, you're looking a bit Peely Wally. And you sound like Shrek. And then, there you go. We'll all be Shrek together. But in that first week, we might make some friends and get to know people and there's the initial chat of where do you come from and what do you do and so on and so forth and you connect with people and then you might connect to the bar a bit later and the next day you club together in a particular part around the pool and that becomes your space that becomes your territory that becomes your group and you kind of you know we've made our friends that first week and then the second week you see new people and you think we're settled. I've kind of got my group. I've got my place. I've, you know, I don't want to go back through the hole. Where do you come from? And what do you work? And you know, so we'll we'll leave them to just make their own friends, because we're settled. And this is Abraham. He's settled, and in that place of settling on the way to what God had for him, God comes again and says, "I didn't call you to settle." I'm not willing to let you stay in a place that is short of where you should be. And so he comes again and calls him and said, I told you to leave. I told you to go. And I love you enough not to leave you in this place halfway where it's, you made some progress. You went half the way. But I want you to come into the fullness of what I have for you. And see... The willingness then to say, yes, Lord, I will move, Lord. I will go with you. Whatever you say, I will do. Uprooted, kids changed in school, saying bye to friends, all that emotional, costly stuff. Why? Because he is king. He is Lord. And the kingdom is what is taking me forwards. And the adventure of where are we going, what's going to happen there, comes into being. God will never leave you. But you see, it's your choice and my choice whether we stop saying yes to the king of the kingdom. It's your choice and my choice whether we would say, like that waiter said in the story, whatever he says, do it, I'll do it. Life wasn't meant to be boring, it's meant to be an adventure, it's meant to be lived. And you see, in this story, the narrative changed because of the obedience of this one waiter. See, there was two possible outcomes for the Monday morning office chat. Yeah? You're standing at the coffee machine. Hey, John, what did you do at the weekend? We went to a wedding. How was it? Total disaster. Nine o'clock, the bar closed. Now, down south, where we were, that's not a deal. You know what I'm saying? I'm in New York now. You mean there's no beer? There's no wine? How are we going to dance? You know, oh, come on, we're going home. We're going home. It's 9 o'clock, uh, early night, boring. Yeah, that, that wedding was, a, I don't know how they badly planned it. You know, you know, that's the narrative. But because one man said, Jesus, I will do what you tell me to do. The narrative in his life and for everybody else changed. Monday morning, what did you do at the weekend? I was at a wedding. And you'll never believe what happened. Man, I've been at weddings before. 
and I have no weddings. They go like this, bang, bang, bang. But this one, this one was different. This one was filled with drama. Man, this guy took water pots and he filled them up and he turned it into wine. We had, we had the best party ever and it was the best wine ever. Man, I never saw that one coming. Now, there's an adventure. There's Jesus doesn't do boring. There's the party of all parties. And see, your willingness and my willingness to say yes to the kingdom of God in our life changes the narrative of our life, changes the experience and narrative of many other people as well. Your yes has more than you in mind when you say it to God. Are we together here? It's okay to preach like this here. German theologian Jürgen Moltmann said, the church does not have a mission, but rather the mission of the kingdom creates its own church. Whoa. Jesus never said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the church. He said, go into all the world and preach this message, the gospel of the kingdom. And at some point, if you are a Christian here today, it was because of an encounter, not with the church, but with the kingdom. Why? Because whether it was down the front here, in a conference there, or like me in a bedroom, you said, yes, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. The very first encounter you had was with the kingdom. And because of that, you became part of the church. It was the mission of the king, of the kingdom, to save what was lost. It all started because you said yes to the will, the rule, the government of the Lord. And do you know what? The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. Keep on saying yes. Keep on saying thy will be done. Keep on saying move me on. And the force of the kingdom that's ever increasing of his kingdom and of his peace, there will be no end is what it says in Isaiah. If you want your life to be picked up and thrust forward, and you want an adventure which affects you and many others, here's the deal. Do whatever he says to do. Are we together here? Number two, the kingdom of God satisfies. Verse 7 says this, when Jesus gets involved, fill the water pots with water, so they fill them up to the brim. You know, Jesus didn't just say, that's enough now. He didn't half fill. He didn't give them a sprinkling. He said, fill them up and fill them up to the brim. Now, if it's at the brim, where I come from, there's uh, the, the, the beer festival, the Oktoberfest. And you can Google that if you're not too familiar with it, but maybe you've seen some pictures of ladies strong German ladies with big liters of beer and they're coming through the beer tent and it's spilling over. That is the picture that comes to mind. These big water pots are filled up. What did Jesus say? I've come to give you life and life in abundance. And I believe Jesus was saying this, when I get involved, when you say yes to me, I will fill 
I will satisfy that area of your life. I will not leave you feeling a lack. I will not leave you feeling like you've missed out. I will fill and satisfy. You know, many people don't ask God because about their life because they actually have a base belief. And the base belief is this. The last thing I would want to do with my life is the first thing God's going to get me to do. You know, I remember you feel this call to ministry and you think, oh, I don't want to be a minister. Ministers have to have this face. And the minister in the Church of Scotland, where I grew up, did exactly that with his feet. During the praise and worship, he'd always go up and... It's like, I, I, please, please do not call me to be a minister. You know? So it's like, I, I'm not even going to talk to you about that. I'm going to get on with my plan. Because I actually think, if I come to you and you say you want me to, that's the worst thing I could think of. You're going to tell me to be a minister just like that. So we're not talking about this. And we believe we're going to miss out somehow or my plan's better than God's plan. But God is a God who fills, he satisfies. In Ephesians 4 verse 9, now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens. Why? So that he might fill all things. God wants to fill our communities. The leaven and the bread wants to go all the way through it. God wants to fill your life. God always meets our need, not from a diminishing resource. He is nothing but fullness, therefore he can do nothing but fill. It says he meets our needs what, according to his riches. He doesn't meet our need according to our need. If your need's one dollar, he gives you two. He goes above and beyond your need because he wants to fill. He wants to go up to the brim. He wants it to fill and spill over. He wants you to have more to give away. He wants you to have an exuberance. Not for your sake, but to say, this is what I do. When I get involved, I fill you up so much, you've got much more to give away. You never lose out when the kingdom of God fills your life. I thought I was going to lose out at one point in my life because I had a plan. And I just want to share a bit of my story here because some of these principles are in that story. I always knew a call to ministry. And this was my plan. My plan was I'm going to get a great job, make a ton of money, have a nice car, and then I'll give it all up for Jesus. Oh, what a sacrifice. Now, the reason I thought like that was because the two pastors who'd been in my life until that point, that was kind of their journey. And I thought, this is how we do this thing. And so, I had my plan. 
I was studying at university, a degree called International Business and Modern Languages. It boiled down to doing finance and German. And I wanted to become a chartered accountant, to work for one of the world's biggest companies, professional services companies called KPMG. And I knew I'm not called to Scotland. I know I'm meant to be somewhere else, and I want to travel, and I want to use my languages. And so, in my mind, all roads led to London. So, I'm going to leave Scotland, I'm going to go to London, I applied for jobs in London, and I got interviews in London. Then I started speaking to my pastor. And he says, what are you doing after university? I said, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. And he goes, well, he listened to me, he said, that's fantastic. He says, but you know what? I haven't heard God in anything you've said. All I'm hearing from you is opportunity. This makes sense. Everyone says, etc. I hadn't asked God. I wasn't in the place, whatever he says to you, do it, because I wasn't even asking him. Because I thought, I know how this rolls. I have my plan. Now, I'm not against planning. I hadn't gone to the king and said, what is it you're saying to me? You know, God is a geographical God. Where you are matters. X does mark the spot. He's also a relational God with whom you are with matters. God brings us together with people that I function because I'm in relationship with you or you're in relationship with me. There's something in God that the kingdom works through relationship and geography. When Abraham was on his journey, everything was going well. He decided at a moment of panic to go off to Egypt. What happened? It all went pear-shaped. Do you say that here, pear-shaped? No, you don't know what that means. Right, scrap that. It all went wrong. I actually don't know what to do with a pear that is to do with, but we move on. That's just an aside, really. It's not my main point, but I'm throwing that out to you. Maybe that needs, someone needs to hear that. But people make decisions in their life about where to go based on everything else but what is God saying. Sometimes it's because they believe if I ask God, he's going to tell me what I don't want to hear, so I won't ask him. But for me, it put me back to God. And I said, God, what are you saying? And he said to me, Liam, your time here is just about to start. Oh, man. I've applied for all the jobs in London. I've got interviews lined up. And then I thought, I'm definitely not called to Glasgow where I was at that moment in time. So it must be Edinburgh, the capital city. I'm going to put my favored job position over there. So gracious enough, all the top companies said, that's fine. You can relocate. You can put your applications up here. The Glasgow office of this particular company interviewed me there for the sake of simplicity of travel for their Edinburgh office. In between times, God spoke to me and said, you have to stay in Glasgow. I thought, oh man, I have messed this up. London, Edinburgh. I go across to Edinburgh now, or before I did that, I phoned up Glasgow office and said, do you have any more vacancies here. And they went, no, but we thought you wanted to go to Edinburgh. I said, yeah, that's right. So I have to go to Edinburgh for the interview. They sit me down and they said, Mr. Smith, before we begin today, where is it you would really like to work? 
I said, well, actually, I would really like to be in Glasgow. And they said, well, we've been in touch with our partners, and they're holding a position open for you there if you're successful today. I got the job in the Glasgow office. Now, what I'm not telling you is this. This was a nine-month drama. On the 23rd of October, 1998, as I was praying, the Holy Spirit said this to me. Take a year after university and serve full-time the pastor in the church. I wrote it down, circled it, put a question mark, and wrote it off. Do you know why? That didn't fit my plan. That's not how we roll. I, come on. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to make a ton of money. I'm getting a nice car. And then I give it up for Jesus. That's how we're doing this. None of this take a year out stuff. So I ignored God, did my thing, messed up all these applications, got the job. And then, you know what I was going to do in the summer of 1999? I was going to, between university and beginning job, I was going to come to, to America. Why? Because that's what you do. No, no other reason than that's just what people do. I was going to take three months to just, just go and do my thing. See, that's the kind of stuff you do when you're not living with destiny and calling in mind. You just take three months and go off somewhere. Why? Because just because you can. Just because it seems like a good idea. That says to me, we're not living with purpose. We're not living with destiny. See, every decision you make when you live with destiny in mind, every decision you make needs to be in line with that calling. Every decision, where you stay, who you marry, your life narrows down. I wasn't living like that. And then, just before the summer began, God really spoke to me, really spoke to me and said, you need to serve this summer. It was heavy on me. You need to serve. I spoke to my pastor, and we came up with this plan. Let's hold a bunch of healing meetings around the region, preach the gospel, you organize them, I'll come and speak, and we'll start a revival. I did it. Halfway through the summer, people were saying, this might be it, this might be it. For it. And God spoke to me and said, you stepped out of the boat, keep walking. And I went, this is it. This, this is it. At the end of the last one of those six healing meetings, in a town hall in a little place called Guruk, there's a Scottish name for you, my pastor came to me and said, when do you start work? I said, in five days' time. He says, is your heart in it? And at this point, it wasn't. I'd, was, I'd stepped out of the boat, I was on the water, and I'm walking, I thought, no, it's not. I have to, I have to keep doing this. And he said to me, he says, you've grown more in the last eight weeks than you have in the last five years. He says, why don't you come with me for one year's discipleship, and then we'll see what God does. Yeah, you've joined the dots, haven't you? 23rd of October, 1998. Take one year, serve. Yeah, stuff that I have my plan. That's not how this happens. August, the next year, come with me. God spoke to me in three days. I said, do it. The next day, I was due to start work on the Tuesday. I went in on the Monday to the company and said, yeah, you... you, you <laughs> You know how uh, we went from London to 
to Edinburgh, to Glasgow, and you moved all that stuff to give me this position, yeah, I'm not coming tomorrow. That was the easy one. Here's the harder one. I had to drive an hour east to go and speak to my mom and dad. And I had to do it twice because they're divorced at this point. So I've got my dad who isn't a Christian and, you know, my son's been brainwashed and my daughter's been brainwashed and they've become these crazy radical Christians, but at least he's going to be an accountant. He's going to earn some good money. And my daughter's a pharmacist. Oh, phew, all is well, all is well. They can go and do this church thing, but they've got good, I can speak about them at the golf course with pride. And here's his son going, yeah, Dad, you know all the five years of study and the final exams and all this? Yeah, you know how I'm going to become an accountant? Yeah, I'm not doing that. And on the Tuesday, my first activity, rather than a nice suit and getting my nice laptop and all the rest of it and getting a new car, I wanted a new car, I was stripping wallpaper off the pastor's house as he was renovating serving. 19 years later, here I am. Now, why do I say here I am? I made all those mistakes. But what was the adventure I wanted? I want to use my languages. I want to travel. The truth is, I'd gone to London. I would have been, if I'd worked for a big company there, they, they all speak English. They don't need me to speak German. Where do I live now? Germany. I preach in German every Sunday morning. I counsel in German. I'm using my languages. My kids are growing up bilingual. I'm in the zone of where God wanted me to be. I'm meeting people on this journey like Susie and Greg and others and I'm traveling the world. And I was like, God, your plan for me, how you've written this, I could never have written this. The adventure has opened up for me here. And God, you're satisfying the desires of my heart, but in the way that you wanted to do it. I'm not painting myself as some picture of perfection and I've included all the mistakes in there because that's how we sometimes are and I'm thankful to God's grace. But what I'm saying is this, God will fill. You will not lose out because you follow what God is telling you to do. Fill those water pots. And the final point to say is this, God, the kingdom of God brings change for the best. We like change, don't we, Christians? Come on, show me that hand. We love change. I bet at least 90% of you are sitting in the chair you always sit in. You're laughing because you know it's true. Now, can you imagine if a first-time visitor was to come here and sat in your chair? Excuse me, brother. Sure nice to see you today, but I think you'll find that's my chair. <laughs> or something like that. Can you imagine if Dr. Greg said, you know, we're going to shake things up here. And you walked in next week and they made the chairs face this way and the band were doing an acoustic set. Just leave it as it is. Oh, we don't like change, do we? You know, we'll sing the song, change me, Lord, have your way. But leave this and that and this and just, just. Don't change. 
what did Jesus say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. What does repent mean? Change direction. So the very first thing God does in your life is he brings change. If you don't want change, don't, don't let the Holy Spirit have his way. If you don't want change, ignore what I've said for the last 40 minutes. Ignore it. But Abraham had to change. Oh, we're going to have to change schools. We're going to have to change friendship groups. Why? Because we're going on this adventure. And I'm not going to get to Canaan and go, better in Haran, wasn't it? I wish you had never left. Because God's not like that. He fills. And here's three changes that happens in this, in this miracle. First of all, when you allow God to bring change in your life, you discover he goes beyond your expectations. See, they didn't expect the good wine. They didn't expect the good wine. They expected some cheap house wine. It's like, I didn't expect you to do that. But that's what happens when God gets involved. He goes beyond your expectations. The second thing is his time scale is not your time scale. They got the good wine, but it said the best wine shouldn't have come at this point. We've got no issue with the good wine, but this is not how we do things. Guys, I had my time scale. God ripped it up, threw it out, and said, now. Man always says tomorrow. God says today. His time scale is not our time scale. When God gets involved, there's a God factor at work. There's a supernatural element kicks in. That's what was, Jesus was saying. Look, when I get involved, stuff happens. When I get involved, time scales change. When I get involved, stuff changes for the best. When I get into the boat with disciples who are in the middle of a storm, as soon as I get in, whew, we're at the other side. How did that happen? Because when we allow God in and say, I will do whatever you tell me to do, the kingdom comes. Timescales change. Natural orders change. Can I tell you another story? It's the second meeting we've got all afternoon. We're good. Are we good? Here's a story for you. I've got two. I'm just thinking which one I'm going to choose. Oh, man. They're both similar. I'll tell them quick. There was a girl who worked for a major company um, called Marks and Spencer. They're a big, big retailer in the UK. And she was the HR manager for one of their stores near Glasgow. She was part of the church, and she was under our pastoral care. And she came to us and said, I've been told that I need to move to the north of Scotland about three hours away because they're restructuring the company and my job won't exist here anymore. I have to go up there. And we said, what do you want to do? See, this is the dilemma. The company says I have to move. Well, I've got to move. It's my career path. Do you? Do you? And we said, and I said, God's a geographical God. Where do you feel you should be? 
She says, I feel I should be here with you guys. This is my joining. This is my life journey. This is my kingdom connection. And we said, what we're going to do is we're going to pray together and believe. She went to her boss and said, look, I want to stay here. It's, like, it's impossible. There is no way this is what's happening. This is a major UK-wide company. In fact, they're international. This is what the top brass have decided. You're one of our top people. We want you to go there. And we're changing things. But I want to be here. Well, it's not happening. That's where the job is. She came back to us and said, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm going to lose my career. I'm said, we're going to believe God. And she said, God, you, I know you want me here. And she believed God and didn't sign the contract. A week later, they came to her and said, change of plan. We're not going to open those stores there. We've decided to restructure, and we're going to open three more stores here, and we'd like you to oversee them all. She stayed in the place where she was meant to be. And she met her husband then about six weeks later. And she's still there to this day. One other story similar, my pastor was working for a company before he went into ministry. And he was living with a sense of destiny, a sense of calling of where he should be. And they came to him and said, we want you to take this job way down in another place in England called Bath. It's going to be another three hours south. He said, thank you so much, but I don't want to have to be here. He said, why? He said, because I'm a Christian and I'm part of a church community here and God's doing some things. And I know I'm meant to be here. Oh, you and your faith and this kind of stuff. He says, what is it you want? He said, I'd like that job here. He said, well, that's not going to happen. The guy who's doing the job here has been in this position for 25 years, doing a great job. That's it. He goes, well, thanks very much, but no, went out. His boss made his life hell for the next few weeks. Brought him back into the office and said, are you sure you're not going to take this job? We really want you to take it. He said, I'm absolutely sure. He says, you're off your head. He said, we're willing to pay you more and do all this. He says, I'm not moving from here because I know me and my family are meant to be here. I'd love the job, but here, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, sure. Comes back a few weeks later, and the boss says, if we were to offer you that job here, would you take it? He goes, yes. He goes, it's yours. He goes, what? He says, unexpectedly, the guy who's been doing this for 25 years handed in his resignation yesterday. Do you want the job? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. And he goes, and he says, look, if you'd moved down the road, we would have paid your moving expenses. Here's a check. I know you don't need it, or you're not moving, but here's the money anyway. God. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Some stuff shouldn't happen, but it will for you if you're in the will of God. Corporate restructuring can happen just for you, to have you where you're meant to be. Because you're saying, God, I'm not moving until you tell me to move. My priorities are the king and his kingdom. I'm not moving because boss man says to, because I'm not career driven, I'm kingdom driven. Amen? Some stuff that doesn't normally happen will happen just for you because that's what Jesus does. And the final point is this. He turns bland into beauty. Jesus turned water into wine. I mean, when was the last time you went to a restaurant and said, I'll have a fine bottle of your best vintage water, please? It's just water. It's bland. It's, it's needed, but it's nothing special. Now, I started today by saying Jesus doesn't do boring and how 
The kingdom of God is meant to take us on an adventure. Do you know what? The truth is this. Let's get real here. Some areas in our life are bland, boring, and dry. Marriage has gone a bit, it's just like, well, you know. Some relationships, finances, some areas of your life, you just think, you know, there's got to be more. Or maybe you've just settled in a particular area. When you and I say, yes, I will do what you're telling me to do in this particular area, I believe it's a word for us today. Jesus says he will turn what is currently bland into beauty. You might have given up hope in your marriage and said, I, I just don't know how this relationship's going to be beautiful anymore. And we're just going to settle for what we've got. Do you know what? I believe this. If we can take the kingdom word principles that the word gives us for marriage, for husband, for wife, and we say, do your thing, God. Do your thing. Yes, I will submit to you in that area, God. I believe Jesus, the God factor, gets to work, and he can turn bland into beauty. It might be your finances. We used to work with an organization called CAP, Christians Against Poverty, and they helped many, many, many people. They're still going. Many people to come out of debt, Christians and non-Christians. And the very first thing they got them to do, said, look, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it God's way. Christian or non-Christian, the first thing we're going to do with finances in your life is you're going to begin to tithe. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Particularly to the non-Christian. But the principle was this. We're going to say, you will, not my will. Your government, not me. Your ways, not my ways, be done. So it's not the mystical kingdom in the sky. It's, yes, Lord, in this area, I'm bringing it under your rule. And I'm opening this area up for your involvement, just like that wedding reception. And when Jesus got involved, do what he tells you to do. He changed the story. He changed the ending. He changed the experience from bland to beauty, from boring, run-of-the-mill wedding reception to the best wedding reception these guys had ever been at in their life. And you know what? As you and I let God loose in our life, he's wanting to take you and get you in that thrust of his kingdom that's forcefully advancing. He's going to pick you up and take you on the adventure of your life. Whatever he says to you, do it. And I guarantee you this, Jesus won't do boring in your life either. Amen. Let's pray together. Come on. God, Father, we thank you. Now, Lord, of course, we can be inspired and encouraged and Holy Ghost, I'm, I'm asking you to appropriate this word into all the precious lives, marriages, homes, workplaces, decisions in this place. And I just pray that we be deposited, not just for this day, but it be a, an investment for all the decisions and things that lie ahead of us in all ways. Appropriate it to us. Father, I'm asking you that we would outwork these things at home and work the days ahead. Lord, I'm asking you in Jesus' name that if anyone doesn't know you today, they would truly come into the encounter with the life-changing God. 